Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you, Lord, uh, for everything you've done for us, for bringing us into this place. And I'm just asking, Lord, that you would calm me down. You speak through me. Let me get out of the way because I think you have something amazing to share with us today. I know you do, and I don't want to get in your way. So here I am. In Jesus' name, use me. Amen. Before we get started, I just wanted to throw this one question out. Um, how many of you truly want to know the will of God for your life? You know, usually we start talking about wanting to know the will of God, like when we're making big decisions like a change in a job or buying a house or having another baby. And, and we start saying, I wonder if this is the will of God. You know, what's God's will for me? And sometimes we just wish God would send a message in a cloud or something, you know, and give us. But normally, God doesn't make it extremely plain till you start seeking him and you start feeling maybe some peace in one direction or another. Um, and you kind of feel led by the Spirit of God through his peace. Or that's, speaking for myself, that's what I have found. But there is a scripture we're going to talk about today that just flat out says, this is the will of God for you. So we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're going to just sit on that for a minute. What is it saying is God's will? It's God's will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. So it got me thinking, you know, some circumstances happen to us that are not all that great. Can I get an agreement here? But we live in this broken world with lots of bad things. And God is not saying for all these circumstances, including the bad ones, but he's saying in these circumstances. So even when things are not going your, your way, all your ducks are not lined up, everything is not perfect, God says, still be thankful knowing he is still in control. We can trust that. The Bible says that. So when they asked me to speak uh, on gratitude, um, the first thing I did, maybe that's bad to admit, but the first thing I did was Google what the word thankfulness meant. And it says, and I'm sorry, the lighting is kind of bad, <laughs> but the, it says, thankfulness is recognizing good things that have happened to you and acknowledging the people who made these good things happen. We understand that, right? When we go to a restaurant and the waiter's really good, then we thank them. We give them a good tip, right? So we get that concept. But there was something else, and this is going to take a few minutes, so bear with me. But I, when I Googled, I found this video that I want to play right now. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it, um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was, if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. 
but it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Alan. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they're like, oh God, mom. And it, there was a little like, this is, you know, are you experimenting on us? There was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework and Steve and I are just like, we say a quick prayer and we start eating and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not, grat it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And, um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest, and I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. Thank you. I just loved that. Um, the thought of practicing gratitude, because let's be real, it doesn't just come natural. We're not born with it. Just watch a two-year-old, any two-year-old. And you see that we are not born with gratitude as of one of the things that we do naturally, right? And unfortunately, as we mature, some of us um, struggle with still learning how to be grateful. And as this woman said, practicing the art of gratitude. And we hear people, grown people saying things like, well, I deserve that. Or I earned it. You know, like, you know, I did this. You know, it's all about me. And... That is the opposite of truth, because let me tell you, we have not earned anything, and we don't deserve anything good, because the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So everything, everything that we have, um, and that means everything, your spouse, it's a gift from God, your kids, they're gifts from God. 
your car, your house, you know, they should have all been delivered to us with big bows and this big tag saying to you from God because they are gifts from God. So I have this little confession. Um, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. So, and I'm going to cut it short because Steve can tell you I could go on for a long time describing this. But about three years ago, we sold our house and moved into a small condo. And I'll tell you, at first, the first two years, actually, it was just kind of fun because I had never lived in a condo. The only time I had been in a condo was, like, for vacation. So I think my mind was like, hey, this is fun, you know, like, there's the garbage chute and, you know, the 20-car garage with the elevator, you know, and I, I was enjoying, and I felt so grateful that God had opened this opportunity for Steve and I. But I noticed um, about a year ago, I guess it was, <laughs> that I started complaining a lot. And I once where I thought, man, I could live here forever, I started thinking, I went out of here. <laughs> I couldn't find anything right, and everything was wrong. In fact, it got so bad, and I was whining and complaining so much, and those that had been around me can testify to this. I was starting to get on my own nerves. I was being so negative. Seriously, it was getting really old. And I had to stop myself and think, what is going on? What has happened? Well, my circumstances hadn't. They're still the same. But what had happened was I stopped looking and focusing on the things that I was enjoying and that I had and turn my focus to look at the things that I did not like and the things that I did not have. So, you know, instead of Google this time, I went to the Bible. And the Bible, I was studying, you know, gratitude, thankfulness, and I ran across two authors that just really stuck out to me. Um, and in the Bible, they were telling how good God is, how much praise and glory he deserves, how thankful they were. And um, so I thought, well, I'm going to study these guys out a little bit. And the first one was David. And if you know the book of Psalms, it is just jammed, packed, full of things like, uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. You know, like, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know, talking about how good God is, what he is, the creator, and just how magnificent he is. Um, then I was looking in the New Testament, and I ran across Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. And he was saying things like, in all things, be thankful, for this is the will of God for you. He was saying, rejoice. Hey, again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. That's the kind of things that this author is saying. So, okay, let's look at these two guys, their circumstances in life, because surely, surely to talk like that, they live in the lap of luxury, right? But no, David, when he wrote many of the Psalms and many of the praises to God, you know where he was? He was running for his life and living in caves for years. Even after that time, he had so many tragic events that happened in his life. A baby died. His grown children, some of them got killed. But he's the one that wrote, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. So what had he figured out that I apparently had not? <laughs> 
he figured out you have to keep your eyes on the giver of all good and perfect gifts. If you're looking at the giver and the good gifts he has given you, you don't have time to wallow around in what you don't have and have your little pity parties like I had been having. So I want to be like David. I want to be like Paul. Well, who was Paul? Okay, he had been beaten numerous times. He had been stoned, they thought, to death, but he escaped. And then he lived much of his adult life in different prisons. And by that, I mean like dungeons, like dirt floors, rats running around, that kind of a dungeon. And he's the one that says, hey, rejoice. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. We need to be thankful. I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for all that Jesus has done. And again, his secret was he was looking at the giver of good gifts. He didn't have time to wallow around. He was truly grateful for what Jesus had done to rescue his soul. Um, I'm just going to read a couple, and I may skip one. Uh, But just to give you a little example of the writings of this guy, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Remember, this is the guy in the dirty prison. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So me being a practical person, I'm thinking, okay, this guy is laying in a dirty dungeon floor, and he is telling me to sing praises to God. So what had he learned? I can just imagine him waking up in the morning, laying on his pallet, if he was blessed enough to have one, seeing the little rat run off in the corner. But his first thought was, thank you, God, for waking me up today. I have another day to live. Thank you for all my friends, all my fellow Christians that have been one to you. And that's how he lived. That's how it got him through, I believe, many of the things he went through. And then an example from David, Psalms 9-1. He said, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. And I love how he says he's going to do it. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I don't know if you've done this, but if not, you need to. Just get around with some friends, maybe your small group or whatever, your link group, and just start telling your story of some amazing things that God has done for your life. I've done this before, and it's like you, you think of more and more and more, and then the person you're talking to, they think of more and more and more before you long. You're so happy, you can't hardly stand it, realizing how blessed, how blessed we are. I'm going to talk about this story briefly because I don't know. It's one we don't talk a whole lot about. But uh, it's about some lepers. And I understand in our culture we don't know a whole lot about lepers. Um, But in that day, in the biblical times, it was fairly common. In fact, um, 68 times throughout Scripture, uh, leprosy or leper, some form of the word was used in Scripture. Well, in this story located in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is traveling. He comes into this village, and as he's come into the village from a distance, he sees 10 lepers. Okay, let me give you a little bit of example here, a little background. Uh, If you were a leper, it means you had this skin disease. Your skin turned white, and then it started, like, eating itself. So many of them were disfigured. They had lost fingers, toes, nose. 
Um, they were highly contagious. Nobody wanted to be around them. And if you had it, you were kicked out of your home, kicked out of your village or town, and you were outcast, and you had to go live in a leper colony. And then, if, any, if you ever saw anybody headed your way, you had to yell out, unclean, you know, give them heads up. You don't want to come by me. I'm a leper. And the only way, once you were a leper, that you could ever go back and resume your normal lifestyle is if you were healed and you went to the priest. It was the law. You had to go to the priest, and he had to check you out and give you a thumbs up. Okay, you can go back home. So Jesus, he sees these 10 lepers, and they do what they're supposed to. They yell out. But this time, they recognize who they're yelling at. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Can you imagine being that outcast? Can't be around your kids. Can't be around your husband. You can't even hang out with your friends. But you see Jesus, and you know he can do something about it. So they yell out. And of course, Jesus does something about it. He looked at him, and he yelled back, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Wait a minute, they were supposed to be healed before they do that. But they trusted God, turned around, and the Bible says that as they went on their way, as they were obeying what he told them to do, they were healed. Can you imagine the excitement? So they're going on their way, and then one of them, just one of them, turns around and the Bible tells us that he like sprinted right back to Jesus and he falls on his face right at Jesus' feet and he's crying and he's praising God, the Bible says, with a loud voice. I mean, he was overcome with gratitude. Jesus said, wait, wasn't there 10 of y'all? Where's the other nine? You know, Steve and I were talking about this, and it clicked in my mind that I don't think the nine were ungrateful, you know? I'm sure they were grateful. I mean, why wouldn't you be? But the difference was this one man stopped, turned around, and took his time to go tell Jesus how grateful he was. <laughs> I had to look at me. I had to look at me and say, am I the nine just enjoying my life, getting on with it because now I can move back home? Or am I the one taking just a few minutes, making my way back to God and giving him praise and glory that he deserves? Okay, so how can I do this? Um, there's so many benefits to gratitude, and I love the one that this woman, uh, Brene, I think is how you say her name, uh, she said this quote, <clears throat> and it's not that joy makes us grateful, but gratefulness that gives us joy. So let's figure out what we can do to get this joy. We've already determined it doesn't come naturally. So what can we do to practice, in her words, practice this art of gratitude? Um, you know, this woman said she took 12 years for this research to give us what she gave us in that little clip. But the Bible basically already told us. It's just um, sometimes I think when we read 
scripture and we read the commands, the instructions of God, we get this feeling like he's trying to hem us in. You know, maybe he's trying to keep us from having a good time when it's the opposite. You know why he said it's his will for us to be thankful? For us, so that we can have joy. You know, he wants his kids to have joy. Okay, back to benefits. Um, There's another scripture in Philippians 4 that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and here we go, and thank him for all he has done. Okay, and then here's the benefit. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace, I love this part because I get a visual. His peace will guard, protect your heart and your mind. How many have been in situations in your life that you desperately needed the peace of God? And he's telling us how to do that. Learn to be thankful. Um, There's a study, there's been many studies, on what gratitude does for our physical health and our mental health. And it shows that if you have a lot of gratitude in your life, it will significantly, that's the word it uses, reduce anxiety, depression, headaches, nausea, and even acne. The benefits just keep on coming. So let's talk really, really quickly about how then we can start practicing. I mean, like now, like when we walk out the doors, how can we start practicing this gratitude, living to be thankful every day? Well, first of all, stop focusing on what you don't have. That was one of my biggies. I was focusing on what I did not have. But look at all that I do have. We got to start being intentional with maybe books we read or magazines we're looking at. Do you feel discontentment with what you're reading or what you're watching on TV? This is pretty sad, but I had to ban HGTV for me because I was finding that was one of my triggers to give me discontentment. I would watch those shows, which in themselves, nothing's wrong with. But for me, it was making me have discontentment and making me a less grateful person for what God had given me. Um, I have one more thing to talk about, and I feel like I cannot close without talking about this one. It's a word that we don't hear a whole lot about, um, but it's something I'm extremely grateful for, and when you think about it, you will be as well. It's located in Galatians 3, 13, and it says, but Christ has redeemed us. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. The word I want to focus on is redeemed or redemption. You know, sometimes we run across words that we don't use a lot, so we just kind of skip right over them because we don't really get it. But I want to park right here on this word for just a minute and explain to you how I get it. Um... I'm a visual person. I have to think through and see um, what I'm thinking about. And so I'm just going to take you on a little journey, and I'm going to apologize now, but it feels like we're in a little Sunday school room um, packed for children because this is the best way I connected with this word. Um, 
in my mind, I play this little movie to explain to me what redemption or being redeemed is all about. And in my mind, um, this movie is about a kidnapping. Okay, and the role of the rich father, the rich dad, is played by God. Um, The guy that does the kidnapping or the bad guy is played by our enemy, the devil. But the child that was the kidnapped victim is played by me. So since it's about me, that's who I'm focusing in on. Because about this time in the movie, um, it may have been my own fault. I may not have listened to what my dad told me. I may have left the house when he told me not to or skipped school, making it really easy for the kidnapper to nab me. But right now, that's beside the point. Because right now, I am terrified. I have been grabbed by someone that I don't want to be grabbed by. I don't know what they're doing to me. They've put a black bag on my head. I've got my arms and my feet tied up, and they've thrown me in the back of a van. I have no clue where I'm headed. I'm so scared that I'm sobbing. What's going to happen to me? In my movie, the child's very emotional and terrified and About the time that I feel totally hopeless, the van stops. I'm all wet from the tears under the black bag. I can't see what's going on, but I hear something. That's my dad's voice. He's come to rescue me. Now, in my movie... The police come over, grab me out of the van, take off the black bag, takes the ropes off my hands and feet, and then I see him. I see my dad, and he's standing there with his arms. He's got him right open, saying, come on, baby, come on. And as fast as I can in my movie, I am sprinting. I'm sprinting to my dad. See, what my dad did was he paid my price. He paid that ransom. And that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross to pay my ransom. And you know what? I know some of you have experienced the same thing. You probably have really similar movie playing in your mind. You remember what it felt like with your hands tied and this bag over your head. But then you saw and you heard God saying, come on. And you experienced that redemption. And you know what that does? Okay. You run into the father, you jump in his arms, and you start sobbing again. But this time, you're sobbing with gratitude. You're so overcome by thankfulness, and your heart is just bursting with joy. Because that's how I feel. But then there may be some of you that still are tied up in the back of that van. You still have no clue where you're headed. You might be sobbing inside, thinking there is no way out. There is no hope. But I've got really, really good news for you. Because, see, the ransom's already been paid for you. It's done. You know? All you have to do, seriously, all you have to do is believe it and accept it and trust Trust Jesus. Yeah. 
the father is standing right there. And his arms are open saying, come on, baby. Come on. I've already paid it. Come on. It's your choice. Because I can promise you this. He wants you to be filled with gratitude and joy.